Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. I'm still looking for Harold the Angel in the scriptures. I just uh, Harold the Angel sings. And if he is in there somewhere, it leads to so many questions. Like, do they call him Harry for short? Or is it just... Thanks for humoring me. Jonah, <laughs> Jonah rolls his eyes at me anymore. And Father, we thank you that, um, that you are the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And um, we ask that this morning that you would, you would give us of that kingdom, that this would not just be some words, but as we continue, that your spirit would actually grant greater peace in our lives, the kind that passes understanding. And we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that um, you are the one here doing this. You're the giver of gifts. And uh, we just, we open our hands. We receive. We receive. We're not willing to have anything less than what you want to give us, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so in quick review, I'm just going to put out there, of course, we're going through Advent. We've been saying that, that each of these things, hope, love, joy, peace, and you can probably find more, but each of these things are values of a kingdom, okay, um, and two kingdoms. Now, I'm going to read the prophecy that's up here on these banners, the Christmas prophecy, in just a minute. But you know, there are, there are two kingdoms. We've been talking all month. Um, there is a kingdom of darkness that is very, very real here and well-established. Um, we might as well be straight and honest about it. Well-established. It has values of its own, doesn't it? Um, and, the, and the Christmas prophecy is, is that Jesus was coming to establish another government. He was coming. And that word government, now I'm going to read it, but I just want to put this in your mind even before we read it this morning. That word government actually most closely translates, as we've been saying, as principality. Principality is merely a government or a, or a kingdom, an order that is ruled by a prince. And this passage that we've been reading all month and I've been pur purposely skipping over until we do peace is it, it primarily identifies him as the prince of peace. The prince of this principality is a prince of peace. Now I'm just going to put out there um, any one of these that we've been doing this month, hope, love, joy, any one of them, you could spend months or a whole year studying that. But if it's true for those others, um, and we're going to see this this morning. It's, it's even more true for peace. Why is that? Peace is not just one of the things. Peace is really the foundation. It is really the grounding of the government, which is why he's the Prince of Peace. Um, so let's go ahead and, um, and read. Go to Isaiah chapter 9 with me. And uh, I'm just going to read this again. And this, the first thing I'm going to do is start with love like we always do, because as we always say here, um, if we're going to get his heart, if we're going to understand what he's doing, we're going to start with love. Um, interpretation always goes wrong when we're not absolutely sure that we are the beloved, that you're, you're loved, you're chosen, you're appointed, you're sent. We're going to see all of those things this morning, but, but we got to start there. So let's start at verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, that's principality, will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace. I want you to notice that. Isn't that funny? Of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And I actually want to start on that last verse. That word zeal, if it was just very literally translated, is jealousy. Is jealousy. 
So what performs, what's going to perform this prophecy is the Lord's jealousy over you. Now, you have to see, we've said this sometime this month, we already said this, but we just have to say it again this morning. Um, That only makes sense if you understand that the birth of Christ was to bring a kingdom upon us, was to bring the government of another kingdom to overcome the kingdom that had control over man, the, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness. Does that make sense? What's going to perform that? His, his love that is so extreme over you, that is so extreme over his bride, um, that, that he chose to use the word jealousy to talk about the way he thinks about you. Christmas was, I'm fed up <laughs> with another kingdom having influence in your life, having power over you. And the ministry of Jesus, I'm just, um, let's just get clear here. The ministry of Jesus obviously was, and we're going to see this, was to come to be the Lamb of the world, to lay his life down. We'll never minimize that. That was the finished work. That's when he says it's complete. But his ministry was, was to bring a kingdom upon, was to bring a kingdom that was afar off and make it accessible, including peace. And in this prophecy, it states... Um, it says, of the increase of his government and peace. Now, that only makes sense. Why, why wouldn't it just say, and of the increase of his government, there will be no end? Typo? <laughs> I'm going to suggest that it's, it's really significant that it says the increase of his government and peace. And the, just in case, um, you know, we, we have to start by putting this out there. Peace is not like a day at the spa. That's not what we're talking about. And it's important to put that out there. It's not a great feeling. It's not, um, it's not, oh, this is my peaceful place when I take a walk in the forest. It's peace in their culture. It was literally their greeting, shalom, right? And why is that? You know, and in, um, I grew up in um, one of the liturgical branches of Christianity. And, and in that, part of the liturgy was they would say, um, that peace be with you, and you were robotically, you were automatic, you were supposed to say, and also with you. Now, I'll tell you, it's actually a beautiful, I had no idea why I was doing that as a child. It's just because that's what you, what you were supposed to do. But the truth is, um, when you think that through, this is one thing they, that, that, um, that, that part of Christianity has exactly right. It's very, very Jewish. In other words, it's the greeting, it is the way they would greet each other. They, they don't say, hey, how are you, like we do. They say, shalom, and the person says, shalom back. And it really only makes sense if you, if you understand um, biblically in the, in the kingdom of God, which is upon us, when you understand what peace is. Um, peace is well-being. It's completeness. It's, it's health. It's fullness. It's... Um, Really, well-being, I think, is encapsulates peace. And they had an understanding that peace um, was not a happy feeling. Peace was, um, was everything that, that is prophesied. That Jesus coming, he was bringing a kingdom that gives completeness and well-being. Complete well-being. Now, you have to remember that... Um, so, so Christ was born, right, on that first Christmas. And, um, and, and a light, as, as it says in the first chapter of John, a light shone, something had begun. A kingdom was coming uh, upon us in a, in a reality way that it wasn't before. But you had to realize it was another 30 years before he even began his ministry. There was a waiting. And then there was another three years before before he said those last words on the cross and said, it is finished, right? And then as if they hadn't done enough waiting, there was another 50 days. What did he do? He rose from the dead. He came back, he came back and he said, okay, now hold on a second, guy, just wait. <laughs> After 30 years and three years, and then for 50 more days, he says, wait again. Because it is the Holy Spirit, and tell you what peace is. Peace is the Holy Spirit being led out of the stone building and the bride of Christ becoming the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's well-being. 
<laughs> that's completeness, wholeness. That's, that's the kingdom truly coming upon for those who have their, their faith in Christ. This is good news. Peace, shalom. Okay, lack nothing. I should have said those words. I think I like those the most. Peace is lacking nothing. Does anybody feel like you're lacking some stuff? <laughs> Somebody said no. <laughs> yes, air five. <laughs> and so you know right where we're going that's what we're going to talk about I'm going to um, you know I want to I'm going to skip on you um, please turn with me to Ephesians um, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14 I'm going to mix this up I haven't even gotten started and we're mixing it up because I think this is important because it, it's it has what, we're, what I believe the Lord wants us to really get about peace this morning, but it also establishes what I was just talking about, the ministry of Jesus. And you should always make me show you. Don't let me tell you stuff without showing you in the word of God. Um, so starting chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace. Pause and meditate for an hour. <laughs> he is our peace. You understand, Jesus is the kingdom. If he's going to establish a government, he's the prince of it. He is that government. Who has made both one. That's talking about um, the Jews, the, the, um, the chosen, the original chosen people. And for those who are, who are not Jews, we're grafted in, right? Everything's fulfilled through them. So that's what this is going to talk about for a moment. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Now, verse 17, here's why we're reading this. And he came and preached peace. Now, I'm going to keep reading. Just notice, peace is one of those, that's where I'm telling you, it's just, it's categorically different than like hope, joy, love. It is literally foundational. He's, this just said that he came and preached Peace. What was his message? Peace. It was peace with God. It was access. What he preached was access to a kingdom that was not accessible, that was not within their reach. And the ministry of Jesus was to begin to manifest that kingdom. And I'm going to show you in a minute to begin to send people out to be manifestors of this kingdom, who the, a kingdom that has come upon. And so it, it's, um, it's very appropriate that this verse says, that he came and preached peace. Everything that he preached, everything that he taught, every action that he did, first of all, was what he saw the Father doing and when he heard the Father say. And the entire mission was to, was to preach peace, was to bring well-being to a world that had none. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, see? And to those who were near, for through him we both have access. Remember we said upon, the kingdom is upon you. That means it's accessible. It literally translates, it's within your reach, the things of the kingdom. Have access by one spirit to the Father. How do you have access? Through the spirit, okay? Peace is the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit getting out of that stone building and going out. It's the second time he hovered over the waters. Do you know in Genesis it says, in the beginning he hovered over the waters in a place of darkness and brought light and, cre and creation began. The second time that happened was when Jesus completed this ministry and the Holy Spirit went out from the tabernacle. I should have put in the scripture in here, but I don't have it. You're just going to have to trust me. <laughs> he went out from the tabernacle, and it uses the same word. I know, I just told you not to do that. And, and hovered. The, the word of God uses the word seas for multitudes of people. And hovers over the seas looking for a resting place to land. Thank you, God. He landed on me. How about you? 
Okay, now I want to show you something. Go to John chapter 14 and verse 25, and we're really going to dig at peace. Peace is an interesting thing. Um, I'm just going to start reading and see where he takes us. Did I give you the verse? 25? Okay. Wait. Don't do that. Go to Matthew 10, verse 5. I'm just trying to make sure you keep your skills up, how quick you can find the. Now, this is the sending of the 12 that we're about to read, right? So Jesus came, he had a particular ministry, and if he was going to send people in a ministry, what ministry would that be? Reconciliation, his ministry. In other words, the exact same one. And that's what we're going to see this growing out as we go through and it's going to show us some things about peace verse 5 these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel so this first time and this is prophesied this first time this ministry is going to go out to, to Israel Israel is always the first fruits okay And then we join into those first fruits. Verse 7, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Sound familiar? Of course he would send them in in what he was sent here for. He's not going to send them in something that he's not about. It's going to be the exact same ministry. He sends them out saying that the message is the kingdom is upon you. It's now accessible. I'm putting it within your reach. And verse 8 says, Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. Now listen, I'm not going to spend too much time um, um, because then you'd get mad at me. We'd be here a long time. But I want you to notice that each of those things, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Each of those things, of course, is, is a physical real thing. And they did go about doing that. And the bride of Christ is still doing that. But I also want you to see that, um, that each of those is, is, a far, is, a, is an epically true thing. Are you tracking with me? Let, me? let me give you some example. Heal the sick, okay? It is sickness to be without God. There's inner healing and there's body healing. God is concerned about both, okay? Um, there is cleanse the lepers, okay, which you have to understand that that was not just, we know now it's, it's just a disease, but in their culture, it, it made you unclean. It was a barrier to participation in the spiritual life of the community completely. And so it's about the restoration of people's ability to be a part of that spirit, okay? And I could go on. Each of these, this is what I want you to see this morning, so I don't dig too deep into that. Each of these things is peace. You can go look at it. I dare you to go study it. Each of them is well-being, wholeness, being complete, okay, lacking nothing. When you take care of those problems, you're getting a deep well-being that is just the kingdom of God's. And he says, freely you've received, freely give. You know, you you can only give what you got. Okay, verse 9. Now, now this part's important. Um, verse 9, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts nor bag for your journey nor two tunics nor sandals nor staffs for a worker is worthy of his food. Do you know what? Does that seem feel out of place to anybody? Let me tell you why that's there. That is literally, we're still talking about peace. I'm going to prove it. It's literally saying do, don't, rely on don't take with you the things where you get completeness from the world don't take extra shoes don't take gold it's literally saying um, rely your sense of peace is from a far superior place than those things so in the sending in the original sending mandate here it's it has inherent in it where your security is Wellness, whole being, completeness, provision. Verse 11. Now whatever city or town you enter, 
inquire who in it is worthy. Isn't that weird? Now that one just bothers me until, until I really studied it out. Worthy? When do you hear Jesus saying we have to have a certain worthiness? It's freely given. He just said, freely you've received, freely give. Everything from the Lord is freely given. Is it not? And that tremendous love. So what's going on? I'm going to show you what's going on here. This worthy is something very particular. Um, inquire who in it is worthy. And stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, now it gets really weird. Go, <laughs> when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, there it is again, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. That, as far as I'm concerned, that, that is just complete oddness unless you understand it. Either, either Jesus is a nutcase in, in the instructions for his sending, or there's something to get here. Now listen to me, the early church fathers were ridiculed for being mystics. Now, I'm going to put out there, now, and we're, we're especially kind of um, standoffish, I think, right now in our culture as Christians in this American culture because we've got this surge of new age and new religion stuff going on, and we think that's what it is to be a mystic, and so we're, we're, like, we're like standoffish. But let me tell you something. Being, I don't think it's, it's not possible to be a Christian and not be a mystic. <laughs> they were what does that mean it, it merely means that they believed that there's a spiritual realm and it's absolutely real now I'm going to show you something about peace but it, it merely means that the things of the spiritual are so real that they are something and they are, they are reachable, touchable by us and they impact this realm that's all a mystic is okay and this is getting at that in other words I'm just putting it out there Jesus was a mystic Sorry if that, it's right here. I mean, you wouldn't talk like this unless you believed peace was a real thing, like a substance. I mean, it's, it's actual. And if, if you're not tracking, like, look, why would I say that? Listen what he says. He says, um, if the household is worthy, in other words, let me tell you about worthy so I don't confuse you. Worthy, and we're going to see this more as we move, is, um, is people who actually want the shalom or the peace of the kingdom. That's the worthiness we're talking about, and it, it proves itself out in context as we keep moving. But worthy is not like, are you good enough? Have you earned it? You can't earn anything Jesus has. Um, that'll just wear you out. And in fact, it'll be a barrier from the free receiving, from freely receiving. It'll be a barrier. The worthy here is people who, who hunger and thirst after that peace, who have rejected the false peace, the false completeness, wholeness that the world has to offer. Okay, now track with me. It says, um, if the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. Isn't that odd? How do you do that? I mean, seriously, how do you do that? You go into a household and you're like, you're like, my peace be upon you. Do <laughs> you know? Are you tracking? But there must be a very real belief that this peace is actually something. It's tangible. You can, it's something you can give. You can impart. And in case you're not convinced yet, look at the next line. It says, but if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. Do you realize it's something that you can give and you can take it back? <laughs> Isn't that odd? It's not odd if you understand that, that the word of God establishes very, very clearly that peace is actually something. It's something of the kingdom. It is a completeness, a wholeness, a health, a well-being that, that we are to have the power to impart, <laughs> to give, to hand out. That's in, we're reading the sending. And take back. If they don't want it, you can't give somebody something they don't want. Unless it's a bop in the head because they won't take the peace that you're so <laughs> that you're that you're praying that they will want so you can so you can give it to them. <laughs> that's the that's the worthy part. They what do they want? Where do they want to get their security from? Where do you want to get your security from? 
And it says, And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Now, I'm going to put something out there. Dust. Um, study dust sometime. It's absolutely fascinating. Just follow it through the Bible. Okay, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples. But you can spend like a year just studying the word dust. Um, man was made from it. Of course, there was no life in it until he breathed on it. Okay? And when the serpent, um, when the serpent was cursed, the curse was you'll crawl on your belly in the dust. Okay? In other words, are you catching a theme? Dust is the dead things. Dust is what does not have the life of God. You may think of when demons are, there's um, Jesus' teaching, and he said when demons are cast out of a man, where do they go? They, they go to dry places. They're not comfortable where there's life and water. They go to dry places. Um, when Jesus was confronted, when they hauled the adulterous woman in front of Jesus and his mercy and his compassion and his grace flowed for her, do you remember? What did he do to cause a disturbance, to, to cause a pause so they didn't throw the stones at her? He wrote in the dust. Do you know that other, other places it was prophesied of the Messiah that he would write the names of the dead, those who are not written in the book of life, in the dust? Now, I don't know. Scholars argue. But I'm, I'm personally in the camp where I think that's what he was doing. When he stooped down, he was writing, how disturbing might it be to see that he's writing your name in the dust? <laughs> it caused them all to go away in his mercy for her, in his extravagant love for this woman. So I'm, I'm just putting out there, dust is, I could go on. He, well, let me do one more, because this one's so good. He added water to dust to heal blind eyes. He, add, he adds life to dust. Only he can take what the dead things, and through the, through the ministry of Jesus Christ, life is added to the dead things. Shalom, well-being, the peace of the kingdom from, from the dust, from things that are dead. Shake off the dust from your feet. In other words, so, so here's what I need to tell you. In his sending instructions, he's, he's crystal clear that wh why does he say shake off the dust from your feet? In other words, don't, take, don't let them rub off on you. You don't let, you have a peace that is complete, that is not of this world, peace that passes understanding, right? Not rational in this world. In fact, something of a spirit realm that is real, that has real power, our impact in this place and your security is in that not in your circumstances not in the things of this world that have death in them and so that instruction is really that when you when you leave a place shake off everything that's dead everything that's contrary to having absolute completeness in the things of the kingdom because you remember Jesus said in this world you will have trouble this is not a message about your life should be trouble-free. This is a message about something of the kingdom that passes understanding. <laughs> yeah, in the trouble. Now, I'm going to show you that. It's, it's in the trouble. We often want to alleviate trouble instead of ask the question, where's God in this trouble? Where is completeness and wholeness? Where is the extravagant love of the Father in the trial? And then he goes, verse 15, Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. What city are we talking about? The one where they had to shake off the dust because they were more interested in the dead things than the completeness that was being offered. You see, Sodom and Gomorrah had to turn when the kingdom was not upon them. And if, if they had turned, like Nineveh did, Okay, they're turning in the absence of an accessible kingdom that's within reach. Okay, I want to show you, go to Luke 10. Luke 10, and um, right in, well, let me see which verse I want to start in. Yeah, right in verse 1. Now, 
Here's what you got to recognize as we start to read. First, we just read from Jesus sending out the 12, okay? Now we're reading Jesus sending out the 72. Do you see a growing pattern? And I'm going to show you that one of the things that I just want you to recognize and see is that, um, in a sense, nothing changes. We're going to glean some more gold, but the, the sending, the, the stuff of the sending doesn't change at all, okay? What does that mean for you? It doesn't change, <laughs> okay? The 72 and then the thousands and then the millions, Jesus is still sending. You are loved, chosen, appointed, sent. Exactly like, like he's doing here. Okay, verse one. After these things, the Lord appointed, um, oh, it's 70. I, I think I was saying 72, wasn't Because it? it's, yeah, two by two. Um, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. It doesn't sound very peaceful. See, if it was based in circumstances, then the peace of the kingdom is a lie. I mean, literally, in his own words, he's saying, I'm sending you as, as lambs among wolves. And then you'll see the same pattern, okay? It says, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals and greet no one along the road. In other words, don't take the stuff of false peace. There's no reliance. I'm going to tell you where, where peace is. Peace is no reliance in the dead stuff of this place. It doesn't say that he doesn't want to bless you radically with the stuff from this place. He doesn't want you to have any. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm saying your well-being <laughs> has, nothing, has nothing to do there. And I'm going to show you this in Jesus' life in a minute. Your well-being is not leaning on any of it. And then he says, but whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. <laughs> I actually laugh every time I picture it. Like, what do they do? They knock on the door and, and they answer and they, they go, shalom, and just come on in. Unless you understand that that they had a very powerful belief that they had something they could give. They had a very real well-being that could be offered and could come back to them. That's what it says. And it says, and in this case, I like this, it says, and if a son of peace is there your peace will rest on it. There's a promise. Isn't that cool? In other words, you just go, you take your peace, you offer it, and if a son of peace is there, in other words, what? A son of this, of this kingdom, right? A son, a son of, of the living God, the prince of peace, if a son of that is there, one who is a loved, elect, chosen, appointed, whether they know it or not, whether it's manifesting yet or not, um, you know, God foreknew you before you lived your first day. That's true about every person you come in contact with. If there's a son of the kingdom there, then the peace rests upon it. It'll be rejected by someone who's not prepared to be a son of the kingdom a son of peace. And it says, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Now, I like the way, the way it's stated here. It's, it's the same thing, but I, I kind of like the way it's stated. In other words, it will. It's not like you got to go, well, I got to go take that back from you. You, obviously don't, you don't have to do that. It's literally saying you, you're, you, are an, you offer the manifestation of the kingdom. You offer the well-being that you have. You can only give what you have. You offer the well-being of the kingdom that you have received. Your present, the spirit of God on you, the kingdom upon you offers this to them other places it says that the fragrance of christ is either death or life to people there's no neutral on it it's offered and if it's the smell of death to people because they have a security and assurance a well-being from the world that is more powerful for them than the receiving of the things of god it'll automatically come back to you peace is real <laughs> <laughs> it's not a neat concept. It's, it's a well-being that can't be touched. 
by the dust, by the dead stuff of this world. Um, verse 9. Well, I've got to read verse 9. Just be, and heal the sick there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. You see, it's so important I do that because we've been doing that all December. And you just got to see the kingdom of God is upon you. The kingdom has come near you. When you other places it says, when you see these things, the kingdom of God is upon you. Right? What are these things? What are these? The manifestation of the kingdom. In other words, when you when you see these things, the presence of God is there, and and He is the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of well-being and completeness and wholeness. And it says it again. I should just keep reading. Verse 10, But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. That's our job. You know you're not responsible for the results. Do this with me. <laughs> you're not big enough to worry about those. You have a kingdom upon you and you just go be yourself <laughs> with the kingdom upon you. You're not responsible for the results in this world. Um, you cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. He produces it in those that the kingdom is upon. In fact, it gets really ugly when, when individuals or organizations or churches or whatever think they can produce the fruit. You are to be a, a producer. You are to be productive, but it is, it is a, a gift of the Spirit. It is merely the king. It's not something you earn or work hard enough to make happen. You get tired really quick trying to make supernatural things happen, <laughs> laboring to make it happen. Wow. but one who's grounded in the love, one who's just resting in the kingdom of the spirit that's upon you and being who you are, one who freely receives and, and freely gives, uh, that produces fruit. Okay, I'm going to go to... All right, now I'm going to show you Jesus. And this, this is so cool. This is, uh, this is my favorite part. So I'm about to have a party. Um, I didn't give you the verse, did I? I don't hear any pages. John 14 and verse 25. <clears throat> I'm going to show you. <laughs> Do you know it's okay to recognize that when it comes to spiritual things, there is actually a, a how it works? You know, the spirit realm is is absolutely as real as this one. In fact, on another morning, I might argue or show you how it's more real. Um, I don't have time for that today, but, but um, it's absolutely real. And there is a way that it works. God is, you know, our God is a God of ways. He's not, um, he's a journey God. He's a God of ways. It's not just that there is a, there is a destination, there is an end result. There, there is a um, promise, <laughs> There is destination, there is an end result, but he is a God of the way. He's a God of ways, ways that it actually works. Now, I'm, I'm going to read um, here, starting in verse 25. Here it says, um, Jesus speaking, These things I have spoken, spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. That actually is more properly, would probably be more properly said, like he will impart unto you all things. You see, teaching for them, you know how they said of Jesus, he's one who, he teaches as one with authority. What does that mean? He never just talked about stuff. He never just, he never just said something that, that he didn't illustrate. And that is the calling on your life too. It convicts me all the time in this role. I'm just like, Lord, you want me to say this? Like, <laughs> 
in, in, in accordance with your example. <laughs> you said the kingdom's upon you, but I'm just telling you, we're, we're in our journey. We're in the way to getting there as a disciple of Jesus. But he taught as one with authority. He, he's, he didn't say there is health in the kingdom. He said, he said there's wholeness, there's shalom, and then he healed people. <laughs> or he said you're to be set free from bondages, and he, he set them free from the bondages. <laughs> now I don't know where I'm at. Okay. Um, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things that I said to you. You see, if you're wondering if what I'm saying is exactly right, it is actually right there in that statement. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. It's right there. He's saying, all these things that I'm saying to you, this example I live before you, the things that I say, the things that I do, that's your sending. And he says, now here it is. This is peculiar, unless you understand the things we've already been talking about. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That would be an extremely odd statement unless you understood that all these things we're talking about are the shalom of heaven, are the well-being that only the prince of peace can give. And, and of the increase of his government and peace, the well-being that that, that government gives there, there will be no end to that increase. Other places in the word of God, it says the kingdom of God is advancing. You can take that to the bank. It wouldn't say that unless it's... In fact, say that with me. The kingdom of God is advancing. It is advancing. You can't stop it from advancing. There are some people who are not going to want part in it, but you can't stop the kingdom from advancing. And that's not even why we're reading this. I'm going to go on verse 28. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now just notice, he just, he just said the famous line, peace I leave with you, and it's all about peace. And then the very next thing he talks about is the most unpeaceful thing I can think of. <laughs> he starts talking about taking on the sins of the world, spilling his blood, the most horrific diff, uh, death ever to make the kingdom available to you. And then verse 29, and now I've told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Now here it is. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. And we're going to talk about that for a minute. There are two competing kingdoms. We kind of started there. We've been talking about that all month. There are two competing principalities. Um, the, the prince of this world, the prince of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, is well established in this world and it does compete for you to put your security in that one. And then Jesus Christmas, <laughs> Emmanuel, is Jesus coming to establish a government that overcomes, that is a kingdom of light, that is a kingdom of peace. And, and here, now I'm putting all that back out there again is because we're going to look at this line. He says, and he has nothing in me. Who has Jesus speaking of himself? He says, the ruler of this world is coming. In other words, his death, the, um, what, what the the ruler of this world is going to do to bring about his death and crucifixion is coming. But he says, and he has nothing in me. That's such a critical line. In other words, do you know that we're very complicated creatures? Um, and you have, you have all kinds of inclinations, you know, things from, things from the old man. Okay, you have wounds, you have, you have sins, you have habits, all old man stuff. Okay, and each of the this stuff that we battle against is stuff that um, that allows the kingdom of this world to have something in us, to have a peace, 
okay? I'm just going to be really transparent and say often I can be, I'm, I'm pretty good at worrying. I'm starting to get better, but I'm like really good at it and can be very trapped in the things of this world. In fact, I can be like in all faith at one moment and somebody can say like one sentence to me and I can be, I can be completely thrown into the kingdom of darkness. My security feels shattered. And okay, what's that saying? This world has a part in us. It has things in us. And just in case I don't get there, we may do this again, but um, you know where Jesus says, take your cross and follow me? It's actually the only other place that I'm aware of where he talks about worthiness, isn't it? He says, unless you take your cross and follow me, then you're not worthy of me. That always hit me like, wow, that's so weird. Worthiness. But if you understand what he's saying, what's your cross? Your cross is rejecting the things of this world that have a part in you. Now, just in case, Jesus' mission, you know what he said? He actually identifies his mission. He said, why does it say that he came? He says, I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. You see, and that's what we do wrong with that verse. We think he's actually asking us to sacrifice our life, capital L life, like the real one, the true self, the, the kingdom of peace that he wants to give. That doesn't make any sense. He loves you extravagantly. He's not asking you to lay down real life. He's asking that your cross is, is crucifying, is, is putting with his death the things that keep you from real life, from the shalom, from the, from the peace, the things of the kingdom. It's so important to understand that. I, I see people, and I, this is what I should say, I get that wrong all the time. That's what happens when something of this world has something in you, has something to hook on to. Does that make sense? You can get me here, even though it's not a thing of the kingdom. It's a thing of the kingdom of darkness, not the kingdom of light. And it's a hook in me, has part in me. Jesus just said, um, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. <laughs> Two completely opposing kingdoms. Now I want to do this. If that caused anyone's brain to smoke and you're kind of going, huh, I think this next part is, is really going to bring home something God wants to give. Go to Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. You're going to know the story. This is um, him um, crossing over in the boat with, with the fellas and the storm comes on them. I think we're going to see something maybe just different than we've seen it before here, though. Verse 35, on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And I'll show you something. He's asleep on a pillow. He's got, where is his security? His shalom must be based where? I mean, in God, in, in, the, in the Father, in the things of the kingdom, right? Um, why else would he be asleep in the boat? The storm is real. Let's acknowledge that. I mean, ordinarily, it would be causing great peril, right? And it can be perilous, right? That's a real thing. This is not a message about deny what's real. Perils come. Sometimes they hurt. Sometimes they hurt real bad. Sometimes they destroy things the things of this world. But he's sleeping, okay? And then verse 39 says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? That's a rebuke. And they feared exceedingly. <laughs> He's rebuking them for fear. And it says, And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be 
that even the wind and the sea obey him. Now check with me. First, they're fearful because of the storm, storm because of the things of this world, and he calms the storm, and then they're fearful <laughs> because the, st- the storm is now calm. <laughs> Can anybody relate? I'm, I'm just as good at it. But this is what I want to show you about Jesus. You know, they get, they get stuck in the same way that I think we get stuck. If you really look, look closely, okay, um, first they say... Um, do you not care that we're perishing? And then, and they're impressed by the storm. Then they're really impressed by the fact that he is able to calm it. Impressed like to the point of fear, right? Um, but here's the thing. Do you know what's really impressive? Now, I don't mean to minimize. It's impressive that he could calm the storm. But in a second, I'm going to tell you why he could. I think what's really impre- more impressive than calming the storm is that he was sleeping <laughs> in the storm. That's so much more impressive. You never see the disciples um, say, who is this guy? Look at him sleep in peace during the storm. That's so impressive and amazing. They're not impressed. And I'll tell you, that is more impressive than the Spirit of God in him calming the storm. Now I'm going to take it one more. The power in him, the kingdom of God, you know he he ministered as a spirit-filled man. It's so important to understand that. The word of God is very clear. He laid down the divine attributes. Otherwise, he didn't lay down something you can follow. He, He ministered. He was God. I'm not saying, don't go home thinking I said he wasn't God. He was absolutely God. He was God who laid down the divine attributes, it tells us in the book of Hebrews. He ministered as a spirit-filled man like you. And the reason he had such a manifestation, such an authority of the kingdom upon him was because darkness had nothing in him. In other words, the guy who can sleep in the boat, in the storm, is the one who carries an authority of the kingdom in the spirit to manifest the things of that kingdom. Peace is something far grander than I feel good about how my day's going. Peace is a deep well-being grounded in the love of the Father so deep that my security cannot be shaken. And it allows the the kingdom to, to rest upon you. It makes us a person who can offer to the world something that is not of this world. Peace is the foundation. He is the prince of peace. Peace is what he offers. Well-being, completeness, wholeness, health, security. You see, we give away. We give away our inheritance (laughs) when the world gets some of our peace, when the world is the source for anything that we rely on for our well-being, our peace, is giving away the inheritance that Jesus illustrates in this story. The one who sleeps in the boat is the one who carries the kingdom for this physical realm. As Paul would say, I don't claim to be there. (laughs) I'm journeying, though. I'll tell you what, I'm getting more and more. I'm... This world is fading. <laughs> it, doesn't offer, it doesn't offer anything. Okay, I'm going to go to... Um, turn to John chapter 20 with me, and we're just going to prepare for the Lord's table here, I think. You know, so in other words, peace is learning to recognize when the world has something in you. When the world has a hook, has a draw. We talk about identity here a lot. And you know your, your identity in Christ. The amazing, you know he's delighted with you. He made you exactly like he intended He made no mistakes (laughs) when he made you. Isn't it funny that we can believe, now what am I doing? 
Isn't it funny that we can believe he's absolutely perfect, he's without flaw, he's complete, he's without mistakes. And, and we, we can also believe at the very same time we can believe he made us <laughs> by design and at the very same time we can think we're flawed. <laughs> oh, he loves you. He, he did not make a mistake in any part of making you. Okay, what was I going to do? Um, John chapter 20. Is that what I said? Okay, let's do that. And this is the commit. Here's another sending, okay? It's like sending 3.0. <laughs> this is after he rises from the dead, and it's, it's just full of the foundation of the peace of the kingdom. And it's life-changing if you get this. Verse 19, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. Now, I don't know about you, but that could rattle my piece right there. I don't know if it doesn't really say if he like walked through the wall or just all of a sudden he was standing there and you're like, whoa, <laughs> can you knock? You know, that, that would be peace rattling right there. <laughs> and he said to them, peace be with you. Isn't that interesting? That's the first thing he wanted to say to them. <laughs> Well-being, completeness be with you. Absolute security be with you. That's the first thing he wanted to say. And it didn't take very well, as we'll see. In verse 20, um, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. Isn't it interesting he said it twice? Why do you think he said it twice? They didn't really... Re <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually what I think. That's my assessment. I think he needed to say... I think he offered... What did it say in the other passages we read? It is actually something. It's something you can offer that they're worthy of. In other words, they can receive it or they can't. So, and he loves them. He delights in you this way. He delights in them so much that he offers it. There's not really a receiving, but he's not willing to take no for an answer. <laughs> so he, not with these guys, not with you. He's not actually willing to take no for an answer. So he offers it again, and he says, peace to you. And then, just in case you feel like anything I've done this morning is stretching the word of God, verse 21 says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you, as the Father sent me, I also send you. It's ascending. You see, the... The offer of peace in itself is ascending. A person, now listen to me, a, what do I want to say? A person cannot receive the well-being of the kingdom and not go out in ascending to want to give that to other people. In fact, the Holy Spirit, you understand, what does it say? He's the Prince of Peace. He, he is the kingdom, okay? Well-being is in him. The Prince of Peace is where well-being is. So if you receive peace, it means you've received him. It means you've been received into his heart. It means you've become part with Jesus. In other words, in other words, the receiving of peace in and of itself is ascending. And ascending for what? To have the kingdom upon you to have a well-being that you don't have to go out and sweat to offer this. It's, I mean, I mean, work hard, sweat, do things. You're about to go on the mission field. There's going to be hard work and risks that are going to be required. But ultimately, the real deal is you go with the kingdom upon you. You go in Jesus, and in that is shalom. <laughs> in that is a well-being that you have to offer and where it can be received, there was a promise in the Gospel of Mark. It will be received. Why? Because you can't stop God, because the kingdom of God's advancing. Where they're not worthy of it, what does that mean? They're not good enough? They didn't work hard enough? No. Where they're not worthy of it, where they want their security from somewhere else, the peace will return to you. It will not be, it will not be received there. 
And that's it. That's a kingdom. He is the prince of peace. Christmas is about the establishment of a government of which its increase will never end, and you're invited in. The party didn't start until you got there as far as Jesus is concerned. The kingdom being upon you was always the plan. And the unique, crazy, beautiful way that you are going to do it was his idea before you lived your first day. He's got plans that are so good for you. You receive the peace and then the kingdom's upon you. That's it. And then we have the privilege of walking around making it accessible to other people. Kingdoms at hand. That's that's our only message ever. (laughs) Jesus is at hand. Do you know what he's done for you? (laughs) That's the Christmas message. Do you know that a kingdom became available? A new government was established that cannot be overcome by the dark. And if you want to receive it, you are a carrier of that kingdom. It goes where you go. It's automatically offered. Paul talked about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to do this anyway. Paul talked about it's not with eloquent words. Right? Why? That's the same thing they were saying about Jesus. The Pharisees said, look at him. He's one who teaches as, as one with authority. Well, that's the thing, same thing Paul's saying, um, representing you know, the, the believers in the, in the church, in the kingdom that he established, in his bride. Paul says, I don't do this with eloquent words. I show up bringing the kingdom. And I know we think about the really miraculous things. I just want you to know that's really not what I'm talking about. And that, that's fine. I mean, if, if the Holy Spirit moves you to, to heal someone who's sick, um, do it. <laughs> Offer the kingdom and be amazed by what God does. But I'm really just talking about the things of the kingdom. It, in other words, it's just like I was talking about. It was more amazing that he was sleeping through the storm that's the things of the kingdom than it was that he had, that he had some, some power to say to the water, peace be with you, and the shalom was on it. <laughs> That's amazing too. I, I, I love when God wants to heal people or do these miraculous things, but the things of the kingdom are just something that are upon you all the time. And when it's upon you and you're in other people's presence, it's being offered to them. They're either going to hate you or they're going to receive it and they're going to love you. (laughs) It goes for the rest of them, joy, right? It's just, it's upon you. They're either going to hate you for your joy (laughs) or they're going to receive the joy and love him for it and he's going to be glorified for it. Hope, love, Okay, now we're going to have the the Lord's Supper. And um, I just, I want to say this before we do it this morning. Um, The kingdom is at this table. He said his, his body was broken. Why? His body was broken so that you would have well, well being. So yours wouldn't have to be. And his blood was shed for the covering of sins. To take away every barrier to your peace, to your well-being. And everything at this table, in other words, his table, his kingdom, is freely given. Um, here at this church, I see we have um, lots of visitors this morning, so I'm just going to say everyone is welcome. All who have their faith in Christ, even if you don't understand it all, um, it, he doesn't require complete understanding and everything. Um, if you have your faith in Christ and, and you, you want his love and that's, um, he is your Lord and Savior, you're welcome at this table. You cannot earn what's at this table. You don't have to do enough repentance or have done enough good this week. Everything at this table is absolutely free. Um, it wasn't free to begin with. <laughs> this is the most expensive table in the universe. The price paid for the table is unbelievable. <laughs> but um, that's why you don't have to pay it. 
It was already paid when he laid his life down for his friends. Um, so if somebody could help me move this table out, thank you. And as you come to the table, I just invite you this morning. Of course, you let the Holy Spirit lead you. The Holy Spirit is crazy about you and he's with you. Um, but I invite you to ask him to give you a revelation of the deep well-being that has nothing to do with your circumstances. The worst of the worst can happen. <laughs> and he says, you can sleep in the boat because I'm nuts about you and I am not going to let you go. That's a well-being that, that this world can't touch. <laughs> Shalom, peace to you, is freely given. <laughs>